0: Do you remember what it was like being lost? Do you remember what it was like being blind? Like that song hits you if you remember it. Man. Grace is amazing, y'all. Grace is amazing. I've been thinking about being brand new in church, brand new Jesus follower. This, This passage in particular made me think of two moments that I have very vivid memories of. Um... One is um, sitting in church and there was this, when you're 20, everybody looks like an old person, right? (laughs) So I don't know how old he was. He seemed like an old guy at the time. Um, (laughs) He he was preaching and he was preaching on, long story short, he was preaching on Elijah, prophets of Baal, big victory. Jezebel comes along, he runs for his life. And he's there under that tree just complaining. And um, God sends the birds, puts him to sleep, eats. And I'll never forget this guy saying, if you feel like Elijah, you know what you might need to do? <laughs> he said, you might need to go bowling, go home and go to bed early and sleep in the next morning. You know, I was a brand-new Jesus follower. I needed spiritual answers to my problems. (laughs) I'm like, bro, go bowling and go to bed and sleep in? That's not very spiritual. It was a long time before I realized, that man knew what he was talking about. (laughs) Yeah. And I also have this memory of the first time I read Ecclesiastes. Like, oh, boy, I've gotten through Proverbs, and then that that strange... (laughs) Song of Solomon thing, Um, whatever was, you know, and, but Proverbs, Proverbs, wise man. I wouldn't, you know, Song of Solomon comes in later, but Ecclesiastes, yay, more wisdom. And it was just like, this guy's angry. This guy's tried it all and everything's worthless. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. Man, this guy's railing, it's more Solomon. And like 40 times he says vanity of vanities, everything's empty, everything's meaningless. Until you get to the very, very end. Oh, here's this one thing that's not meaningless. I'm like new to the Bible going, wow, they put some stuff in here, didn't they? <laughs> yeah, this one's depressing. This one would have been good for like 90s grunge bands. To, to Kurt Cobain needed to, to write about. Ecclesiastes, yeah. Um just this, this again, this idea of Vanity, they go and give, we're in psalms of a sense. And so here's this Solomon writing about vanity, meaninglessness. um, All the stuff he tried that didn't work, that turned out vain. This idea of uh, bouncing from one thing to another and finding nothing that's cohesive. Nothing that holds everything together. I did this, I did this, I did this, I did this. Um, and we live in a world like that, right? Where we bounce from one task, one responsibility. We go from work, we go from relationship, we one event and one thing to another, and there doesn't seem to be anything meaningful holding it all together. And um, I've been reading this really, really good book on apathy, which oddly enough is taking me longer to read than I thought it would. <laughs> call that irony. But anyway, um,
1: <laughs> um, he says one of the
0: reasons that apathy hits us is we lose a sense of meaning and um, purpose. And I, I was reading this article about by a guy that I don't know if he's a believer or not, but I really love some of the stuff he, he writes. And he talks about how happiness can be de- in life can depend on having a sense of meaning and purpose. And so he wrote this really, really long article in The Atlantic about living with sense of meaning and purpose, and he gets to the very, very end of the last, it's like the opposite of Solomon. It was like a backwards Ecclesiastes, right? Solomon's like, everything's meaningless, meaningless, vain, vain, vain. Oh yeah, except this one thing. And so this guy was writing for the Atlantic and it was like, yeah man, you need meaning, you need meaning, you need meaning. Here's how you get, how you get. He gets to the very end and he says, that is assuming there is such a thing. <laughs> I find it's best to live as if there is. Okay. Okay. Um, I just think it's interesting we gave Solomon one of the Psalms of Ascents and he talks about vanity. It's like, somebody asked me two weeks ago, we were in the foyer. He was like, who do you think put these together? These Psalms of Ascents. Because, right, it's like they all kind of were here and then all of a sudden we had one that was way after exile, the people coming back from Babylon, right? It was obvious that they were there when there were ruins and putting things back together together. So, you know, somebody had to have put all these together as psalms of ascent. Who did that? I don't know. Um, somebody, somebody here go study that. Write a thesis on it. Get a master's degree or a PhD or something, right? It's just interesting to me that Solomon wrote one. And it's about vanity. And somebody said, that's a psalm of ascent right there. I'm like, huh? That's a what? No, it is. It's a psalm of ascent. You're gathering. You're on your pilgrimage. You're making your trip up to Jerusalem. You're ascending to Jerusalem. You're going there to worship. You're going there to offer sacrifice. The crowd is building the closer you get. And you've got your kids with you. And there's relatives and there's friends and there's acquaintances. The maker of heaven and earth, the one you're going to worship when you get there and you're going to see his temple And you've been praying these prayers about him taking care of your enemies and how he does good. And you're just thankful to him and his restoration and his goodness. And then you come to Mr. Vanity of Vanities as a prayer in the list. How does this even fit? Three times. Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. In vain you rise up early and stay up late, toiling for food. Deed, for He grants sleep to those who loves. And you go, Wow, where's what's this? And you go back up under Psalm 127 in your Bible, and you see in italics, a song of ascents of Solomon. You go, Oh, I see where this came from. It came from that Ecclesiastes guy. <laughs> we gave him one. He's talking about things that are meaningless, things that are empty. He doesn't talk about going bowling, but he does talk about a good night's sleep. <laughs> now, let's talk about what's not happening here. Lest the Lord builds the house, the builder labors in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, The guards stand watching, watch in vain. In vain, you you rise up early and stay up late, working for food to eat. Now, he's not talking about the badness of work. Work isn't bad. Labor is good. Genesis starts with God at work. And he can't say that, he's not even saying atheists can't build houses. (laughs) Atheists build houses. Um, And he's not saying... If you're a construction worker, just show up and sit in your truck and watch God build. Try that with your boss. Yeah, my preacher preached from Psalm 127 this week, and he said the Lord would build the house. So I'm just going to sit here in the truck today and watch the Lord do my job for me. No, that's not what this is talking about. Work isn't the problem. Um, There's diligence all throughout The scripture, and I I believe when you just even look at the the, and, and also right, God isn't opposed to people standing guard, watchmen over the city. He's not saying, take the night off, I've got this. What's he talking about? He's talking about the emptiness of God not being in on the job. Like you're going to build a house. Not, obviously, there's something a little more physical going on here than hammers and nails. There's obviously a little, something a little more physical going on here than a guy with eyeballs sitting up in a tower in a city looking for enemies. Um, like You're going to miss the enemy, the, the real enemy, unless the Lord's watching it. This idea of this house, we're going to come to this in a minute, we'll build on this, just house or as it was used so often, like looking at you and your wife and you and your wife and your kids and you and your siblings and you and your extended family and everything like this crowd that's traveling with you. You can start to imagine, right, as you get closer to Jerusalem, And you're surrounded by your house. And you come to this city with walls that has watchmen on the walls. And you think, oh, if the Lord isn't building this and if the Lord isn't watching over that, we're in trouble. So yeah, I need to keep working on this and we need to keep watching over that, but we need to be doing it in such a way That the Lord is doing it, or it's not going to hold together. In vain you do this. So there's this. Spurgeon called it the golden mean, right? Where you work believing in God, and you believe in God, so you work without fear. You trust. You don't. You don't trust in your doing, but you do because you trust, right? The assumption isn't that they're bad builders and bad watchmen. They might be diligent builders and know how to drive a nail, know how to write do a field full of wheat. The problem is when you're trusting in your own work and your own watching. It will. The true enemy goes unnoticed. He even goes on to describe the person who's so anxious about their work, so anxious and obsessed that sleep just gets in the way of doing those things. Like, man, if I only didn't have to sleep, I could spend more time working. Now, Solomon didn't have remote work, right? Solomon didn't ever log in (laughs) and fix something for somebody two or ten time zones away, right? This is not what he's getting at. He says, I give people I love sleep and it's empty for you to thinking that, that this all depends on you. Now my wife will tell you that it is not uncommon for me to lay down in bed at night and say these words. Isn't sleep weird? She's like, my husband's weird. No, sleep is weird. We live vertically like 16 hours a day and we know everything that's going on around us. Then for 8 hours we we have this soft slab and we go horizontal on it. We cover ourselves up. We close our eyes and we go comatose for 8 hours. And just we don't know we don't we don't have any idea what's going on around us. We're out. Like people could just walk in and do stuff to us, play pranks on us, whatever they wanted to do. You know, it's just weird. Isn't it weird that God decided to make us that way? I just sleep, just freaks me out sometimes. But sleeping is an act of faith, right? And God says, I'm gonna give you this thing called sleep. And you're gonna appreciate it more and more the older you get, yeah. God, I hear it, brother. I got one amen. I get one like one of those every three months. I got it for sleep. Yes, come on now. Revival broke out in a sleep sermon. God, I'm going to sleep and you're gonna take care of my job. Now, let's get real here. I'm most likely to stay up late reading a book right? He he didn't have like, I stayed up too late looking at Facebook. He's just talking about this obsessive. God, you're going to build my house. You're going to take care of my house. You're going to watch over anything that concerns me. You are my provider. You are my sustainer. And it would be vain for me to stay up and assume that I could do your job for me, for you, when I could just go to sleep and, and live according to your design for my body because you didn't design me to be my own sustainer and provider. So I'm gonna turn everything off now, including this body you made. I'm gonna turn this thing off. I'm gonna close these eyelids and I'm just gonna let you do your thing. I mean even if you're like if you think about worry that what you worry about that keeps you up at night, right? Probably has something to do with the house you're building your house or what you're watching over, right? Sleep is a good gift to people God loves. I mean, even if you think of I was pondering this. How many times in the Bible did God do stuff for people while they were asleep for crying out loud? Adam got a wife while he was taking a nap. <laughs> Not bad. He lost a rib, got a wife. Pretty good. Jacob's asleep, ladder comes down, right? This whole thing happens. How many times is, is there an army outside the gates? Jerusalem wakes up the next morning. Where'd that army go? I got to him. Right? It's like God can do more for you while you're asleep than you can for you while you're awake. Right? I, we were moving my in-laws into the new place. They're right around the corner now in Cherry Laurel. if you want to go see them. And um, the lady who runs the place for her family, was, she said something so funny yet so profound. We were just talking about worry. And she said, well, I know worry works because none of the stuff I worry for about ever happens. And I laughed, I said, oh, wait a minute, I see what you did there, yeah, (laughs) and yet sometimes it's like, you can't, this doesn't mean, like, your work is meaningless unless it's like vocationally Christian, like, I, I, I believe there's a lot of Christian work that gets done right under the nose of an atheist boss, I honestly believe that happens. You might even say there's no Christian jobs, just Christian workers who do their work for Jesus, right? Um, God can work in your workplace even without your boss's blessing because it's how you do your work and why you do your work. And then you go to sleep at night. Unless the Lord builds, unless the Lord watches over. So they saw themselves as part of this bigger story, right? Right? And then this shifts gears, and it's like, wait, Solomon, why did you start talking about kids? Like, not everybody can have kids. Like, you know, there's going to be single people on this journey, there's going to be married people. Right, he, Solomon knew that. Um, but, he, but he wants to expand on the point a little bit. Children are a heritage from the Lord, and offspring and reward from him. doesn't mean if you don't have kids, you're unrewarded. I didn't like you. That's not the point. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their opponents in court. Wait, what? He was talking about a warrior and then he was talking about being in court. Do you take your arrows to court? Don't. That's That's not how you win your case. Yeah. Like just children. If you just think about children, whether you're like, A school teacher, or a parent, or you're back in the back with, with kids. I say back in the, back there in children's ministry. Um, Like children are a. Do you see the word like a blessing? Children are never a penalty. Children are never a punishment. Children are never illegitimate, ever. No such thing. But isn't this the perfect example of the first half? Like, what do you put your most passionate prayers and work into but kids? Like, you cannot force your kids to turn out the way you want them to. (laughs) Anxiety, Uh, they left my house and I didn't teach them everything I wanted to. Can they move back in for a year? There's something I need to tell them, right? It's like, ah, my kids, they're leaving, right? Poof, they just flew like an arrow. You love them, and you get anxious about them. But here's the thing. Think about traveling to Jerusalem. We're not traveling to Jerusalem. It's coming here, but think about this now. You're on pilgrimage to Jerusalem. What are you not doing? You're not working. You left it at home. Your crops. What? I had to take a few. Day, I had to take a week off to go to Jerusalem. What about work? God's taking care of it. Oh, man. And then who do you have with you? Kids. Right? Isn't that amazing? They keep you up at night. They fly off like warrior's arrows. Warriors, a warrior is glad he has weapons, right? But what does it say? We don't trust in the weapon. We trust in the Lord. The arrow goes where the warrior cannot go. And children fly to places parents cannot even imagine flying to. Children fly to places the church cannot imagine flying Again, the psalm is talking about something out of our control. Like the work of God while we sleep is a child that is grown and flown. It's in God's hands. And and the picture here, like in the gate, it says they will contend with their opponents in court or in the gate... Like that's where business is done, that's where legal dealings are done. Like don't mess with an old man or an old woman that has a warrior kid looking out for him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Watching my wife take care of her parents. I'm like, whoo, go get them. (laughs) It's like, you have no idea how she fights for them. And then you travel back around. When, when, When Solomon got through saying, it's vanity, it's vanity, it's vanity, it's vanity, it's vanity. But here, this isn't. What did he say? Remember your creator in the days of your what? Your youth. Like warriors, arrows in the hand of a warrior. Yeah. So Paul used words like labor and struggle. He was all about hard work. But he said to this end at Colossians 1, to this end I labor, struggling with all of his energy, which powerfully works in me. So whatever it is you do, do with all your might, you're working as for the Lord. And then you go to sleep at night. The Lord builds the house. The Lord builds the house. Just having a talk with somebody this week about, we were talking about it like GPS, that our tendency is to set the GPS and let God call out the turn by turn. Like, hey God, I've got this destination You feel free to call out my directions, but maybe in this situation, it's hey God, I've got this house designed. Feel free to drive in a few nails for me and do some high stuff that lets the tricky parts. But I've got this right. Or we get to pick the enemies. And God gets to take care of them. (laughs) It's like, no, God, God watches. We get to sleep. We get to pray. We get to work. We get to labor. But God does not honor anxious toil. He honors hard work done by faith in him. i am going to say two more things about a young person and then an old person. Um, any teachers in the room will identify with what I'm about to say. Um, oh, I cringe when I see this and I've had students like this. Um, whenever I hear a parent say of their student, well, I just want my child to be happy. I'm just raising them to be happy. And I'm just like... Whew. You're gonna have an unhappy kid. Uh, <laughs> how about this? What if you raised your child to be diligent and hardworking, like in an uh, in in not in an anxious way, but what if you just raised them to be non-anxiously diligent? Is that you understand that term? Like, I'm going to work hard on on my schoolwork. I'm going to be diligent. I'm going to turn stuff in on time. And then what if that led me to be happy? Because what I find is, is that most students are really, really happy not doing stuff. You see what I'm saying? <laughs> They're happier. They're happier doing things that... I, I just actually... Never mind. I wait. Let's just keep going. <laughs> Those of you who are around students, you can tell stories, and so we won't. We'll just not. Um, just like teaching diligence without worry, right? And like eyes open but trust, and then asking God to give sleep. And just laying your head down. And then let me go to the other end of the spectrum. Just a conversation this week that just brought tears to my eyes. Um, A friend of mine whose dad passed away just a few months ago, he lived to be 91. Um, And this is how he described his dad. He said, my dad never ate after seven o'clock and he ate very little sugar. He walked three miles a day He lived in a very small house and had very, very few possessions. He had a very, very deep faith and he fell asleep every night with no worries or anxiety because he didn't own much to worry or be anxious about. Now, this man had like 12 kids and this is what my friend said. He said, all of my siblings always felt sorry for my dad. We were always like, dad, you've been wearing that watch forever. Can we buy you a new watch? I like my old. Dad, your shoes, no, I like my shoes. He said, we always felt sorry for my dad until we all realized we wanted to be like our dad. (laughs) He slept better than any of us. (laughs) Right? He wanted the Lord to build his house and watch over his city. Can I pray for us? Lord, I don't, I don't know what sort of worry keeps my brothers and sisters up at night, but you don't have worries. You only have sovereignty, and you only have power and you only have authority, and you only have the ability to take care of what concerns us. And so um, I pray that you just help us to trust in your goodness, trust in your love trust in your power. Lord Jesus, we know you summed this up perfectly. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything else will be added to you. It's the pagans who get anxious about all the other stuff. But Lord Jesus, we can seek your kingdom and you'll take care of us. We consider the lilies of the field. We consider the birds of the air, how you take care of them. How much more will you take care of us? So God, right now, I, I, I would guess that if I ask the question, what do you worry about when you lay down? Everybody has something. I pray that you would just help us to just make it just part of our routine to, to pray this prayer together and to, to pray this back to you that you give sleep to your beloved. You give sleep to your beloved. Help us to just, as a matter of routine, to turn the cares of this universe back to the one who made this universe. And Lord, if it's our kids, well, you're in control of those too. (laughs) You're in control of those too. Help us to be non-anxious parents. Thank you, Lord, for these psalms. Thank you, Lord, for these prayers. Thank you, Lord, for um, just thinking back over years of Creekside and years of children's ministry and um, children that have flown through the, from this church and um, the opportunity that this church has had to bless them and teach them and love them and open up Bibles with them and tell them stories and ask them questions and sing with them. Lord, um, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We trust you with our kids. Write down this minute. We trust you with our kids. Lord, all of this, all of this would just be not worth our time if there were no such thing as meaning if there were no such thing as purpose and if you were not good and sovereign and yet there is such thing as all those things and you are that I pray that we'd rest in it all and we'd rest in you in Jesus name we pray Amen Thanks y'all, have a great week